following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. My name is Newt, K-N-U-T-E. It's new if you're over 45. I mean, it's not new if you're over 45. I was named after Newt Rockney, the Notre Dame coach, and Jordan told me that almost everyone here is a Notre Dame fan, and that's good, so I'm glad to be with you. Actually, uh, whenever I'm I'm at a restaurant, um, you know, the the kind where you ask your name when you give your order, I I, I usually say Lars, because they never spell it right. I don't want that N-E-W-T stuff. I'm sorry if that's your name, but uh, anyway, not not long ago, I thought, I got to say, I like my name, so I said Newt, and I went K-N-U-T-E. She typed, and about five minutes later, I heard, Quinte. <laughs> uh, Friday, uh, I was over on the other side of the lake at our daughter's. I uh, had coached two churches over there, and I was at an Einstein's, and they did the same thing. And then I had to go back in for another egg sandwich, and I tried it again, a different girl. And I said, K N U. T-E. And five minutes later, I heard a newt. She spelled it A-N-U-T-E. <laughs> Life is hard. <laughs> so I do want to talk about uh, something about the hard work of being a Christian. It's Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. It's page 1827 in your pew Bible, if you wish to use the pew Bible. On your phones, it's uh, two flicks... Uh, to the right of uh, Galatians. So join me there. It's a great verse by the Apostle Paul about how the church works and how the Christian life works and how all of us serve together. I mentioned that I do lift weights with uh, Jordan. Uh, Here's a picture. Uh, This clicker is not working yet. Help me there. (laughs) We took that Thursday when I was there. Let's move right along. People often deal with this issue. Uh, We would have a lot of uh, interesting ideas in the room if we talked about how God's will works in our life or how God works in our church. And some people, I remember a lady said after a, a, a solo, I said, that was really good. She said, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. Uh, Some people say, God told me to do this. Um, Some people just work hard. What's the the right picture of how we live the Christian life or do the church of Jesus Christ? Do we just pray for God's grace and say, okay, baby, let's see it happen? I don't mean we call God baby, but (laughs) we say that to each other. Or do we, uh, many people say, well, we're going to do whatever God tells us to do. And I always think it's pretty hard to know what God's thinking sometimes, except for the things he says in his word. One of the sessions I got to sit on, and some of it was about how reliable 
God is and his word is in, in your Sunday school hour or ABFs or whatever you call them. And that's true. His word is true. But here his word tells us how uh, both our hands are needed in the work of the church. I, I have done seminars a bunch on God's will, and I always ask people, how many of you, when you got married, were told by God, not everybody should be married. Some of you should be single, not people who are married. People who are single, it's a wonderful gift. But if you got married, I often ask, to how many of you did God say, marry Janine? I don't mean that name. That, that, that's my choice. But, and only one time in my many years have I had a guy raise his hand and say, God told me to marry, not Janine, but his wife. Anyway, everybody else worked it out. They got to know each other. They worked hard at it. And when they look back, they say, God was a good shepherd. God helped us or gave us wisdom, but we had to work. We had to spend time. It took Janine and me about three and a half years to decide this is good and let's get married. Uh, what's God's part in that and what's your part? I think these verses answer that. You see if you agree. And if you don't agree, tell me afterwards just real quick. But if you agree, say, I really agree. And you can talk as long as you like. Let me read them. It's, uh, it's Philippians chapter 2. It's Paul in prison writing this letter. Uh, I want to say at chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, he gives the clue to unity in a church. Uh, he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, this is verse 1, any participation in the Spirit. In other words, if you live like this with Jesus the Christ, you don't just say, I believe. Oh, yeah, everybody believes, or most people. But you live in combination with Christ. If that's true, then here's the unity, verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Whoa. Kids, it says more important than yourself. What do you mean more important? It means for that moment you care and you listen because he's more important or she is than you are. It's a great clue for marriage or a church. Verse 4, here's the thing that should unite us also. Have this, uh, verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That in a church or in a family or in a marriage, but even in a conversation, you look for the interests of the others. That's the unity factor in a local church, not that we're all Republicans or all Democrats. The issue is, that we consider the other person more important than us. Is that you? It can be. It should be me. It's a growth issue. In verse 5, he says this famous verse, famous if you grew up in Sunday school, let this mind be in you. ESV says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You can do this through him. And then it tells this beautiful hymn of how he was in his glory in heaven, but he did not think it a thing to be grabbed onto and never let go. But he made himself of no reputation and became a servant and died with all of your sins on his back and mine and Adam's and Eve's and David's and Paul's. 
And then he was raised from the grave, and someday everybody will exalt him. That's what it says in verses 9 through 11. And verse 11 says, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what's ahead. Now, in the meantime, he says, Therefore, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, I love you. Listen carefully, Paul's saying, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Huh? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The first thing he says, and I think this is a great picture of the church or marriage, or a single life, or growing in your faith, or unity with people and love for people so that you consider others just as important or more important than you are for the moment. That is, you work out your good health or your salvation with fear and trembling. This is one of the most controversial verses in the Bible. I don't think it should be, but it is. Now, It is one that's fought about by theologians. Some of them say, well, how do you work out salvation? We just sang Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. (laughs) How do you work out your own salvation? Well, there's two possibilities. One is the word salvation is a very common word. doesn't always mean justification, the act by which a holy God declares righteous someone who is not righteous in his sight. On the merits of Jesus Christ. That's not that kind of salvation, I don't think. It's rather the word meaning salvation also means good health. Salvation from their problems. And there was some unity problem in in the Philippian church. He just addressed it and said, hey, I know how to solve this. Think the other person more important than yourself. Hello? Don't just live for yourself. So I think he's referring to work out your good health, your unity, work it out. you got to do something. If he does mean eternal salvation, living a life in combination with Jesus Christ, I'll say it again, kids, it doesn't mean, I believe, the demons believe, Jesus died for our sins, yep. Jesus rose from the grave, yep. Jesus is my Savior and Lord, But it means I believe in the sense that I trust him as my Savior and Lord. Do you? That I live this way now, like in marriage. Just because you believe in marriage doesn't make you married. But in marriage you take, receive, you believe in, you accept each other as husband and wife. And then are called to live in combination. So work out your own salvation is about, I believe, your good health. It's a principle for anybody in the room that needs to grow in his faith, starting with me. Everybody should. It's a principle for how a church can be what the church is meant to be. Work it out. If it does mean eternal salvation, it means work it out in the sense of let it show. Let it come out so that you're the kind of church God means you to be. So that's what the workout is. The salvation is. The workout means you got to do something. Don't just sit there. And he's going to show some of the things we should do. 
The workout is, well, think about it. If somebody just said they came back from working out, you'd say they were running or at the gym or... Um, for those of you that didn't notice, that, that, was, that was a Photoshop of me. <laughs> and I don't work out with Jordan, but I could beat him in arm wrestling. Please tell him when he comes back. <laughs> Jordan is the, is the only pastor I coach. I have probably about 100 since I retired from Akron. And uh, he's the only pastor who ever says to me, by the way, at the end of a conversation, what other questions should I be asking? And I always tell him that, you know, the first time he did it, he shocked me because usually they say, are you done yet? No, they don't. But <laughs> So he does work out this kind of thing too. But that's what he's saying here, a workout. That means, well, in physical life, you know this, a workout means you do some positives, you walk, you, you are careful, and some negatives. You don't take the second piece of lemon meringue pie or whatever. A workout in the Christian faith for unity or for letting our salvation show means some positives, some things that we do that obviously build us up. There are some, some basic things that we should all do. And then, then some negatives, and there's things to stay away from. Is that you? Work out your own salvation. In this very book, look at a couple of ways the Philippians were supposed to work out. Chapter 1, verse 5. He says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You're to be a partner with the church leaders and with Jesus Christ in the gospel and in living this out. So that's a choice. Look at verse 9. Same thing. He says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, that we love each other. Who chooses if we're going to love each other? I do, you do. Everybody chooses uh, how they're going to live and love. Look at verse 27 of chapter 1, same thing. All of these are ways that the Philippians were supposed to work out. Verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit. There's the unity pact. In other words, you let your reputation, your manner of life be strong. Everybody decides how they're going to live. Abraham Lincoln, the president of the United States, said, everybody over 40 is responsible for his own face. And so some of you have time to decide yet. But he meant your joy. He meant your, your love for people. Everybody's responsible. Don't say the devil made me do it. Clearly, you work out. I work out my own salvation. In chapter 2, the verse we read, it said, let this mind be in you. This is the way you ought to think. And everybody decides if they're going to try to think like Jesus Christ did. That's the issue. So do you work out your salvation, your good health as a Christian? Do you work for the, the good of the church as a Christian? Work out the good health of this church, community gospel, for the glory of Christ. Will you keep doing that? But everybody wants a shortcut. 
There's, I can give you books about shortcuts to the Christian faith. Some people, by the way they dress, want to show their Christianity. That's fine. Some people, by saying certain words, things weren't fun, they were a blessing. Some people, by, by uh, various disciplines of the Holy Spirit or shortcuts by the Holy Spirit. But mostly, all of us just need to work out, get to it. And uh, Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and he shines in various countries in various ways. And we all don't have to say it the same way, but we all, I first, you first, need to work out our good health. Keep working out. The obvious ways are the basics of the Christian life. Uh, Study, know the word of God, it's very clear, and get to know Christ through his word, and, and pray and ask for help. From a simple prayer like help to a longer prayer like P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, yield. A good way to pray. But clearly, we work out in the ways that he tells us. You've never seen an Olympic runner who got that way by wishing. I wish I were a better Christian. I, I wish I could putt like that is the famous quote from golf. And the the pro golfer said, I didn't get that way by wishing. And nobody got strong in their love for others or in their unity of the church by, I wish I, I, wish I loved him. I wish I didn't want to gossip. <laughs> Work out your own good health. Everybody's responsible for his own heart. He says, work it out with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Well, it means it's serious. It means it's a big deal to God. Fear and trembling keep working out. Will you do that? Or will you start? Keep going. Uh, When I was little, I played the piano. uh, Actually, when I was 12, pretty well. Played solos at churches. Couldn't begin to do it now. I played the minute waltz. Any of you ever played the minute waltz? I used to be able to play it in an hour and 40 seconds. No, I mean a minute and 40 seconds, which is pretty good. But then I quit playing. I couldn't begin to play the first measure now if I saw the pit. You've got to keep working out. Some of you might have been close to Christ and strong in your faith and in your love for the church, and you cared about gospel and unity and and love of Jesus Christ and for people. And then it, if you don't keep working out, it fades. That's the point. Churches. I coach churches. Churches either have unity and strength together because they work at it, or they just, uh, you know how, how in many times, very strong things, uh, even on the board level or the staff level, strong negatives and Recently, I leaned into an elder board not far from here, but far enough that I can say it because it was in Illinois. And I said, what are you trying to do to each other? Work out your own good health, your salvation with fear and trembling. Will you keep doing that? Or start. The average bear, the average Christian who comes to church in a survey I read, reads the Bible about 20 minutes a week. Okay, You've got to work out better than that. You can't change some schedules all the time, but work out your own good health with fear and trembling. Because God says this, 
Fear and trembling doesn't mean you're scared of God. It just means you know you won't do well in the race if you don't work out. The March Madness is on now. If you like basketball, and you should like basketball, because it's a Christian sport, and it's just so... But they didn't, you know, uh, North Carolina didn't win because they wished they worked out. They worked their plays. These runners finished strong because they've been working out. Okay, that's the, that's the background, but we've got to tie it together with the rest of the verse and see what it says. Christians work out, and the, the issue is, I, I took Jordan for a driving lesson when he got his pickup. I don't know if, how, how many were here but I won't do it again. I forgot I had that slide. Christians work out to get God's inner help. Let's look at the verses again. Verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, I love you, Paul says, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. He's writing from prison. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, Now he says this, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God who works in you. How does God work? Not not in a saxophone solo. Not in we stay healthy. He works in you. And this is plural, so it means in the church in general, but it also means he works in our spirits. We all have conscience, and when your conscience is enlightened by the word of God, God works in you, and you you remember a verse, or you, you know that's a sin, or you say, stop it to yourself, and you decide with God's spirit's help to work out your good health. Do you do that? Or do you just say what you think you should say? One time a man at the chapel where I pastored said to me, I always say what I think. And I said, do you think that's a strength? That's a weakness. If you said everything you're thinking all the time, you wouldn't have any friends. Neither would I. Work out your salvation, for it is God who works in you. Now look back at a couple of the verses. Verse, chapter 1, verse 2. Here it is. God works in you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace are inside us. You can't look at somebody and say, oh, look, he has grace. She has peace. No, he works in us if we work out. That's the promise. I think it's a great promise. Look at, uh, where is it also here? Chapter 1 and verse 6. I read in 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God will work in you. It says you were a partner in the gospel. You said, count me in. I'm a member of the church. I want to be a partner. But God will continue the work in you. That's the point. He will work in your spirit, kids, He will help you be the kind of teenager, the kind of person you should be, but you have to work out, and then he works in your spirit. Why do I say that? I say that because many Christians think if they do what's right and they obey the Lord and work out their faith, they'll always be healthy. 
People have said to me a hundred times, my week goes better when I go to church. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you're here. But it's not a physical issue. It's not that, that everything is always good. Work out your salvation. God will work in you. Do you believe that? He will work in character. If your marriage is in pain, work out your good health. Work it out. Somebody make the first move. God will work in you. There's a great picture in Joshua chapter 3. The children of Israel were going to cross the Jordan River. Not the 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 Red Sea, but the Jordan River was also a dramatic crossing. It was that flood stage. That was a big deal. It's that flood stage. It's huge. The whitewater rafting you're going to stage. It's more exciting. That'll be fun. And... God said to the people of Israel, when you step into the river, I'll stop the river. Huh? Can you imagine saying that to millions of people? As soon as we start across the river with the Ark of the Covenant, which is a huge wooden chest that signified God's presence and had inside it the Ten Commandments and the rod of Aaron and some manna. As soon as you step into the river... So who goes first? I'll tell you who goes first. The worship leaders or the interns or, uh, you know, uh, the, the elders, not the pastor. No, as soon as they step in and they put one foot down, the river stopped. That's God. But that's them working out their good health. You see what I'm saying? When we work together with God this way... We work out, God will work in us. I was coaching a a church up in Canada and uh, met with their board most of the Saturday and with their staff Friday and uh, and then Sunday preached in the morning and in the evening met with all their leaders. And we're sitting in the home of Kevin, uh, the pastor, with his wife, uh, Gert, and it was just a small condominium, a nice area. The kids are grown. And they had a big piano, just like this one, only black, in the middle of their little living room. So we're eating this turkey sandwich. It's not important that it's turkey, but if you're taking notes, turkey and cheese. <laughs> we're eating this sandwich, and I saw the piano, and I said to Gert, do you play the piano? And she said, no. She said, do you? I said, well, a little bit. I used to play okay, but I don't anymore. Well, she said, well, play something for us. I said, oh, no. Yes, play something for us. Well, I'm a guest. So I walked over to the piano, and I said, well, tell me your favorite hymn. And as I recall, her favorite hymn was, Oh, Worship the King. I play everything in the key of F. And I played it through, and she said to play the whole thing. And then I started to get up, and she said, do you know anything classical? I said, well, I, I know a little, I know Fur Elise, because one of our daughters is Elise. She said, well, play Fur Elise, if you are Elise. I said, well... And she said, go on. I said, no, that's all I know. (laughs) 
It is. I used to play it, but I, that's all I remember. I haven't been working out. We were eating, it was lemon meringue pie, honest, in Canada, and uh, I only had one piece. But while we're eating the pie, it, it strikes me, Newt, that's what I call myself, Newt, ask him if he plays the piano. So I looked at Kevin, I said, do you play the piano? She said, he said, yeah. I said, will you play something for us? I'm not exaggerating. He went over to the piano and played for a half hour the most gorgeous jazz I've ever heard in my life. I would na- He said, do you know any Broadway tunes? I do know two, one that Pat Boone sang and one Bev Shea sang. Well, I named a couple songs, and he played those all over the piano, not key of F, every black note, every white note, and I'm just laughing. And then when we came back to the table, I said, Kevin, what if I never would have asked you? And I just laughed. All you would have heard was key of F, a little bit of him, not very good chords, two measures of fur elise, but I did ask him. What if I never, what if you never asked Jesus Christ to work together with you for your growth and for your service for him and for your love for other people? What if you never asked? I guess you'll go to, yeah, you'll go to heaven if you're a believer, but what if you work out your own salvation and God works in you? Will you keep doing that? It says, and God will work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Here's the point. How he works, as he wishes. Yeah, God does whatever he wants. That's fair. He's holy. He's good. He will work everything for good into our lives. His definition of good. But it'll be good for us. So that's what he says here in verse 13. I ask you if you believe this. Will you believe it? 13, for it is God who works in you, plural, as a church, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God will work in us, and that's spiritually inside you and in all of our hearts. He'll keep working in you, and how he works is his way, for his good pleasure, for his purposes. That's the point. Trust him that way. I was at a meeting in Pennsylvania not long ago, and there needed to be healing between the staff. And uh, it's a long story of board staff relationships. And in that meeting, there was healing, and it's going to keep going. They're all praying that way, but they all worked it out. And God worked in them, and there were hugs and handshakes and healing. It wouldn't have happened if they weren't willing to work out their good health their salvation with fear and trembling. And that's true one-on-one. If there's anyone in your life that way, that's true in a local church. You work out your effectiveness and your good purposes. We got to be 26 years in Akron at a church where there was a honeymoon of sorts in the sense of unity and Uh, It's the same thing, the good that happens here. Uh, People get healed from pain. People get uh, healing in a marriage. People come to Christ and trust him as Savior and grow as they work together. The the church is a wonderful place where 
where it's a hospital, but it's also a, a family, but it's also a, a mission station and a rescue squad. It's wonderful what the church can be if will you do that work together and work out and God will work in you. We had a neighbor who had a terrific uh, garden in the backyard, and we didn't have any vegetables in our backyard. Why is that? God's not fair. No, actually, he worked out his garden with fear and trembling. I don't know about that, but he worked it out, and God grows vegetables. And why do some people show love and, and serve Christ and care about people? And Because they work it out, and God works in them. Same with vegetables. Same with gardens. Same with churches. That's how he works. Let's don't argue about God told me and all of that kind of thing. Let's argue to ourselves about what can I do to work out God's grace in my life. God actually calls them fruit, but flowers he could have called them. The, The love and the joy and the peace. And the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that shows in some people didn't just come because God said, I'll put flowers in his life. It's because he or she worked on that as teenagers or as adults or starting today. Isaiah chapter 40, one of the most gorgeous chapters in the Bible, says those who wait upon the Lord, that takes work. Those who serve the Lord, you could say they're waiters for the Lord or waitresses. Those who wait for the Lord, wait upon the Lord, will renew their strength. And sometimes they'll fly like an eagle. Sometimes they'll run and not get tired. They'll work hard. Sometimes that's true in a church. And other times you barely walk, but you do not faint, he says. That all all is God's grace. And you may be 16 and soaring like an eagle and everything's great physically. Good. Thank God. You may be working out all the time physically or spiritually, but you run and you don't get so tired and God helps you forgive and love and care and serve. That's God's grace. You may be going through cancer or tough things about your body or even in family But you take another step and you do not faint. That too is God's grace. So in a local church, it shows in wonderful ways. Will you keep doing that? Or start if you've been passive about your own life. We'll see if God will change me. Well, I windsurf up at Lake Michigan. Here's a picture my wife took of me windsurfing. Well, that's a Photoshop, actually. (laughs) No, that's actually somebody in Hawaii windsurfing, and I don't think it's Photoshop because I've seen them do it in live TV. They're amazing. They need to work out where they are. God will provide the wind, and actually the wave has been provided by God's nature laws. But if they're going to work out and save their lives, and the same thing is true in us personally, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And verse 14, just to connect it, do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish 
in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Huh? He says, don't grumble and complain. Now, there's nothing more fun than grumbling or complaining. Grumble is even uh, a word, uh, onomatopoeia, grumble, grumble, grumble. Murmur, 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 murmur. Sounds like what it is. That's what an onomatopoeia is. Don't ask me to spell it. In churches, we're known for grumbling and complaining. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Now, you're a strong church. I hear that. I hear of, of unity. But he even says in our personal lives, work out your salvation. God will work in you. And then he throws in this, and don't complain. Huh? I think it's healthy to complain a little. Every family should allow maybe 30, 40 seconds a day, and you raise your hand and say, I like to complain about something. Give them 30, 40 seconds, and then, then it's over. That's enough. Every church should have a congregational meeting once a year and let somebody complain for 20 seconds, no, maybe just 10, and then get on with it. He actually seriously says, trust God. His will. God's sovereign. Whatever you're facing, you've all met people who faced cancer head on and don't complain or grumble. Whoa, why? Because they work on their own good health. God works in them to give them a spirit of trust and they don't complain or grumble. He actually says, you'll shine like the stars in the heaven if you don't complain. Whoa. Job in the Old Testament. His friends give him all these theories about why the pain had happened to him. Actually, it wasn't God, but God allowed it. It was Satan. Took away his family, took away his living, took away all kinds of things, good health. And Job didn't complain, except his friends started giving him ideas. Well, it could be your fault, Job. Maybe you're not as righteous as you think you are. And his wife said, this is... This would be a horrible thing to hear from your wife. Curse God and die. Huh? If your wife ever says that to you, say, you shouldn't say that. Just say something nice back. And he gets all these theories. Here's what God does. God takes Job out at night. And he says, look at the heavens. And God's at his sarcastic best. And he says, Job, where were you when I made all that? Tell me if you know. Job 39, 40, and 41. Job, where were you when I made the, the, the horse with its flowing mane and its huge muscles? Job, do you know how I made the horse? And Job's just standing there saying, uh, I, no, I don't know. Where were you? Do you know where I hide the lightning bolts? He says to Job, read it. It's, it's God at his sarcastic best. Job, do you know how I measured the corners of the earth and laid its foundation, how I created the earth? Uh, no. Job, uh, tell me if you know. Do you know how I made crocodiles? And he names a number of animals and the birds that fly in the air. And finally, Job falls down on his knees and he says, chapter 42, I have spoken of things too wonderful for me. This is beyond my pay grade. I repent. And sometimes I think God would say to me and to all of us, do you understand that sovereignty is something you can't understand? 
Do you know that I can use even this junk in America sometimes or the world conditions and that someday God will bring it all together for his glory? Job falls down and says, I worship you. Chapter 42. I have spoken of things beyond me, too wonderful for me. And in each of our lives, there will be things we think, how can I explain it? I can't explain it, but I can trust him. In the most magnificent example of this, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, God was working out our salvation. He placed all the sins of me and Adam and Eve and you and everyone in this room so that Jesus cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus died on the cross, every sin you have ever committed or will commit it was judged. Don't you dare say, I guess I'm getting punished for my sin. Punishment for sin is death. Hell. Jesus not only cried out, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from the Father. He also cried out, it is finished. Which means it is paid for. Kids, every one of your sins, paid for by the Savior. In the sovereignty of God, he worked that out. And then when we believe in him, and don't just say, oh yeah, that's true, uh, true and false, yes. No, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. All of that counts for us. All of his judgment took care of our judgment. And what's more, it says in Romans that he was raised for our justification. All of his righteousness is covering us when we believe in Christ. He takes our sins. In God's eyes, we take his righteousness. Our faith is counted as righteousness. Whoa. That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ and to live with confidence in him and to work out our own good health with fear and trembling and see God work in us that which is pleasing in his sight. And don't complain. Trust him. Will you do that? That's what he asks of every church and of every individual. To love him that way and to keep growing. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for Christ, our Savior, our Lord. We believe that you give us responsibility. Please, as Christians pray right now, help them, help us be willing to work on our own good health and work in us. We pray that for this church, that you'll keep working out our good health and our unity and work in us, please. As you pray, if you trust Christ as Savior, you're connected on a daily basis, thank him for that. It's all grace. And if you're not sure of that, doesn't matter if you grew up in the church, ask him, is this true? Can I believe that and trust him and live in connection? Or is he just making this up? Or if you're ready, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Trust him and work together with him for a growing life. Thank you, God, 
for your Son, but also your indwelling Spirit in whom you work as you work in us. By grace, Lord, you have taught us to believe. You have helped us through many dangers, toils, snares, as the song says. Help us to grow in your name. And we pray with thanksgiving. In the name of the one who walked on water and raised the dead, went to the house of Zacchaeus, the cheat, and ended up at ours. And who can build this church more and more. Thank you. Amen. Go in his grace, live in that. If I can answer questions related to this, or if you can keep going, you'll be so grateful. Go in his peace. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.